Want to bring the A7FL to your town? Well, you're in luck. Between now and October 1st, we are still taking applications to buy a division in the American Sevens Football League. Join Columbus for our 2023 season now. For more information on it, go to a7fl.com slash owners. That's a7fl.com slash owners. Get your piece of the future of football and bring us to your town. Matt Ryan here, and folks, the countdown is on. If you want to be my boss, if you want to own a piece of the A7FL, the time is now. We are counting down until November 7th. That is right, November 7th, the day before Election Day, is the last day of our Start Engine campaign. So we want you to sign up right now. Go to startengine.com slash A7FL and sign up. Once again, that's startengine.com slash A7FL. favorite podcast about your favorite seven on seven no helmets no pads all action football league no no not that one this one it is time for the a7fl three-on-one podcast i am your host matt ryan i didn't say for some reason this week because i'm feeling good about myself why i don't know shout out to my therapist but joining me on the program as always he is my quarterback. He is the man making sure that the timing routes don't get blown up. He himself is a walking IED. You already know who it is. It is Corey Hammond. And blocking the line for us, as always, he is big. Rob, a.k.a. Bachata Bob Fabian. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Another week of the A7FL podcast. We're over 10 episodes. We are getting more and more downloads every single week, and people are buying merch. And that is where you can go right now is tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Boys, it's good to be back. Well, thanks for once again dealing with me, Matt. (laughs) I'm very happy to be on these airwaves, and I'm looking forward to seeing how many times I can get Rob to basically go nuts over the ridiculous things I say tonight. The line is set at four and a half. You didn't thank me, Corey. I got to deal with your ass, too. (laughs) Thank you, Rob and Rob Beard. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. For dealing. Well, there's somebody else dealing with us this week, and he is the architect or one of the architects to one of the greatest dynasties in pro football of the last 20 years. This man has put championships and the term Patterson into synonymous words. It is Ryan Shamar. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us here on the three-on-one. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate y'all. I definitely like the introduction that you gave for the co-hosts. That was very unique. Well, that's what we do here on the three-on-one podcast. If we're not unique every week, I think we lose our funding. So that that's the mandate from the head of the podcasting department, which may or may not be me in a fake mustache and a hat. But when it comes to the task at hand, Ryan, you've been a part of the Patterson U since nearly in the inception of the team. Can you walk us through how you ended up the fir- your first day working with the Patterson U and then how you felt one day after waking up and realizing you guys didn't go back to back to back. 
Okay. Um, so in the beginning of it, all of it, um, basically, I was just there, to be 100% honest with you. Like the first year, which was 2014 at Patterson U, I didn't really, like I knew about Town B for A7FL. Um, basically, I was introduced to it by Jared Llewellyn, who is bigger, who is a running back for the um, for the Hawks. You and hear that, Bobby cousin, Newman? You hear that, Bobby Newman? <laughs> my cousin started for Anyway, sorry, Ryan. Craig I had to Pitts, make it about me for um, a half second. <laughs> my cousin Craig Pitts um, joined Patterson U as a rookie that year. I came along with him to try to help out with the defense, et cetera, et cetera. And then so at the time of that, the Patterson U was basically put together by Marcus McKinney, Jairus J. Rock Rogers, um, Marcel Bates, and Adrian Rodriguez. Those are the godfathers of the Patterson U. And it stayed that structure from then all the way until now. So basically my involvement at the time was just to help out for that year. As things progressed, my role just became bigger and bigger as to schematically what was necessary from a football standpoint, especially defensively, is pretty much where me and J-Rock constructed the defense, so to speak, like the scheme, how we ran things defensively. And that was really the calling card of the U for the prime years of the U was the defense and how we defensively would hold teams to small margin of points, create pressure for people like Corey. Rip off my pants. Yeah, I didn't forget. <laughs> Try to scheme to get around Big Rob, who will lightly tell you he didn't give up any sacks or last quarterback get dirty, who was you very annoying. You know the Rob. So, I mean, but as things became bigger for Patterson U and – Marcel Bates, who was really the face at the point for the U when he basically had to take a leave of absence, so to speak, in prior years. My role got bigger for the team based on need, leadership, and still working with the team offensively and defensively to perform at the level that we did. Well, I've faced that defense too many times, Ryan, honestly, with zero success and zero points, to be completely blunt with you. Um, but what was the the route to the, the A7 slash Town B uh, back then? What was the route for you? Did you play uh, high, uh, high school, college with, with these guys? Or is it more of the, the Craig Pitts, uh, you know, relationship and then – you know, becoming a capo to those godfathers and then just earning your place in the in the mafia? Um, it was definitely more capo and then earning place. However, I did play football my whole life. I'm from East Orange, New Jersey. I played Pop Warner all the way up, played high school. Then I transferred over. I played high school football at Cranford High School, um, junior and senior year varsity. I played against guys like Gerald Llewellyn, um, I played against other guys at other schools. I played against Amir Chick Morris in high school uh, when he was at Irvington and was one of the best players in the country. Um, I played against 
Q and RF1 in high school when they played for Northeast Side. Like, I've played against some of these players, new familiar names and faces when I got to the A7FL. And then, of course, once we got here, like, my family, I have a very big family, and we all play sports. We all play football. It just came right over to the A7FL once I got introduced to it. That love for the game, it just was okay. Um, I was actually going to play A7FL. I was going to try to play for Savage after um, Gerald Llewellyn told me about it. And I got into a car accident in uh, 2013. And basically, I had um, a neck injury that basically stopped me from playing intramural flag, even took away my opportunity to play A7 because I just really wasn't willing to risk that type of injury moving forward. So basically, once I came to A7, and it was like, okay, so we out here tackling no pads. I'm like, yeah, nah, this ain't it. So I just went to coaching around. One of the things that we have constantly debated on this podcast in one form or another, and I think it's more of a misunderstanding of the specifics of our points than an actual disagreement. But I'm sure you've heard it if you've listened to any of our podcasts as we talk about coaching. We also talk about it in game of the week. And it's 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 a really interesting topic because the 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 journey that you've kind of laid out for us, Ryan, is is a traditional path that we see from a lot of professional coaches and even the different leagues, right? You you play football until a certain point that you can't play anymore, and then you use your mind to do as much as you can on from the sideline not being able to actually get onto the field. A guy like you, Ryan, you, you've had tons of success as a mind in this league. What are some of the things that have really helped you clarify the differences between the football that a lot of people are used to and the, and the, the seven on seven full contact. And what are some of the things that really make this league something special to you that you, you, you keep coming back every year? Oh, schematically in this league, this league is really built for the offense to succeed because it's seven on seven. It's supposed to be fast paced, high powered. The quarterback starts with the ball in their hand, which means it's easier for him to diagnose pre-play what's going on and get rid of the ball. I played middle linebacker my entire life. Offensively, positions change as you get older, get bigger, gain weight, et cetera. But middle linebacker, as you know, is usually one of the most important positions on the defense because you're able to break most things down. You make sure everybody's in the right position. You know prepay, hey, down in distance. This is second and seven. This quarterback likes to do this. They like to call that. So all of that just translate over. And with J-Rock, Rodgers also being a middle linebacker all the way back to his days at Patterson Catholic and winning state championships, Two minds like that being put together to break down film, to break down a team's offensive tendencies, it just worked. It clicked right off the bat. He's actually one of my closest friends in my personal life. Like, it just clicks. So when you put football minds together that see how I see it, the film, the breakdown, we come to the game, Rob knows it, we come to the game with such a, uh, 
a flavor to it that it's like we already know what you want to do. It's just execution. When you bring new talent onto the team, like we saw a mass influx of talent on the BIC this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Your team has been, since I've joined the league, the same core group of veterans for the most part with a few seasoned additions throughout it. What is it that you look for in talent for the U and how do you convince them to play with a team concept that, that all about the U construct? So it's basically like, it's funny that we're Patterson U based on the, the greatness of the legacy of the U and when we look for talent, we look for pieces. It's like pieces to a puzzle. What works, where we're weak at, where we can get younger at and groom them to almost reload our team if we were to lose some veterans. So the vets that's been put in place that are our core are also our leaders. So like even for a team like a BIC, they fall under a leader and they believe in the leadership of the team. So with Patterson, you was almost the same thing. Like, as you can see, we infiltrated and incorporated a lot of new pieces, also younger pieces that we hope to take a step forward once they grasp the difference between an 11-on-11 traditional football and 7-on-7 to know how to execute, where to be, how to attack the game. Because it is a difference between playing this and 11 on 11. I mean, football is football, but the speed of it, the way to execute it, it is a different type of league. So for us, it's, we look for players that match our tenacity, match our our style of play, that match what it is that we feel like we can increase on, get better in, and they just overall make up the culture. They have to fall in line with the culture of the team. We just won't add anybody. Yeah, my son was just getting reamed out for stealing chargers. I was talking about that pre pre show. That's some of that <laughs> Hammond Law. Yeah, man, I'm trying to do a podcast over here. You know, the great three on one podcast with Matt Ryan, Rob Fabian. We got the great Ryan Shamaro on, and my son's throwing a temper tantrum about his stupid chargers. So he can talk to his stupid girlfriend. But anyway, A Seven FL fans, welcome to Parenthood because Corey got kids. Hashtag. But Ryan, back to the more important things and you and your winning ways and away from the the nonsense in my stupid house right now. That kind of leads us into the perfect segue into one of the things that's probably the most amazing part of your job. The U has been always known, even when they were just the the random collection of, of Patterson, of William Patterson players that just found the A7FL. But you have tons of personalities, big-time personalities. We were talking pre-show about the 2021 championship and even a guy that's not necessarily a big-time name, but even chill-out Duke had to make his presence known on the, on the uh, trophy presentation. So one of the hard things with a team with that much talent has to be managing the personalities and the egos and all the types of things that go into a, a football team of 30 guys that want to all get the ball and make big plays and, and be on TV for this growing league. What is the hardest thing as a, as a personality manager that goes into being Ryan Shamar for the general manager for the U? Um, trying to keep the team humble and hungry. 
because the hardest thing to do in this league is to attack every game with the same mindset, with the same tenacity, with the same attentiveness, whether we win by 50, 60, or we come out and we have a dogfight the very next week. Um, if we go two years, three years without losing, keeping everyone focused. And, I mean, winning does cure all wounds, um, so to speak. But, realistically, the hardest part is keeping everybody humble when they got Yeah, but as much as the winning, Ryan, was the elixir at times during the seasons that you guys won, I think the winning and the pressure and the the consistent this the consistent demand for excellence because everybody was giving you their best shot is that is that some something that happened earlier on in the season in 2022 for you guys to be 100% honest with you i knew personally coming in that early on it was going to be difficult for us because when you win a championship coming in with the same energy and not having that championship hangover is tough it wasn't the pressure of taking everyone's best shot because I feel like regardless if we're the defending champs or not, we're a team that everyone wants to beat every year. It's been like that for almost 10 years. It's the having everybody on the same page because, believe it or not, when you add new pieces and when you get new things involved, it's it changes the dynamic every time. So you got to land the plane. That way everything goes as it is. And I mean, to be honest with you, we didn't start off the way that we wanted. And when you don't kick off the way that you like, you're playing catch up all season. That's why it's a big deal for preparation to prevent poor performance. How would you rate the youth performance in the 2022 season? Like one to ten? In whatever scale you want, was it a success? Was it a failure? Did you guys did you guys accomplish the goals you wanted to? Do, do you do you think that it was a good season, bad season, whatever? However you want to talk about it, your your season end review of the twenty twenty two Patterson U A seven FL season. We failed. The goal was the three peak. We failed. There's nothing. As else. the manager, as the manager of the U. For 2023, what's the what's the most important thing that you guys need to address in this offseason headed into next season? It's a it's an eye opener. It's it's nothing but refocusing. Like we got one goal in mind, and that's to go undefeated. I don't want to lose a game. And we can easily do it. For us to play at the level that we played, like if I had to rate it 1 to 10, it would probably be a 5 or 6. And we were two points away from giving a 3 P. So who and what is to blame for a team of seasoned championship players, a roster that when we talk about, especially on the offensive side of the ball, defensively, you guys added Honey Badger and Sadiq Pitts and some young guys earlier on, but you fixed that with adding uh, Neon, uh, Dion, and Amir Chick-Morris in, in the, the playoff run, which solidified that defense, you know, was just as stout as it had ever been. 
But you say that, right, a five or a six from what you expected, most of the roster's the same. I know you guys lost uh, Big Rob uh, Friesman, uh, one uh, of the uh, best. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to take that back. Most of the roster was not the same, bro. It wasn't. And that's the honest to God truth. So, so what I was saying, Rob, what? is that from the offensive side of the ball, it looked to me like the main missing guy was you. Who else was missing on the offensive side of the ball? Now, the defense had some shuffles, but the, the same guys were still there. It was just a little bit more depth. I'm not going to lie. I do hate the conversation of I got a lot of, you know, a lot of my guys like to joke and make fun. They be like, oh, the Lugia, the you lost because of you. And then it's kind of like, did they? Like, it's a joke, but. I mean, Dudu, what, what, Dudu and Williams were, Dudu and Williams were one of the best, were two of the best offensive linemen in the league for the best games that the U has ever played, right? So for them, for them to be, because, because Ryan, the reason I bring this up is because last week we had on Isaac and what I had said, and I'm not trying to throw your guy under the bus. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't being negative. He was just trying to assess. But what I said, you know, some guys over, you know, over exaggerate the offensive line problems for the U because I think it wasn't necessarily a, a, a talent or a personnel issue as much as it was a, a want to for those guys at times. Um, so back to the, the original, you know, hot question is how, what do you do if the reason you think that your team performed at a six is, is cause those guys should have elevated the level of their play. If that's not happening when they're going for a third championship and they're in the championship against BIC, which is fair to hypothetically say, although I don't know if that's, that, that that's a hundred percent the case. How do you get them to refocus? To be 100% honest with you, we played at a five or six because of me. I accept full responsibility. That's a and leader move. Good good job. Okay. But but what the what I'm going to elaborate. Do better? Let me land it. You don't need to be screaming at them for a pregame speech. It's not, to be it's, not, it's not the pregame speech. It's that time, the preparation that wasn't there, that was there prior to like I spoke on how we stayed consistent for so long it was the time and dedication that we put into it I mean a lot of teams show up and just play right it's all hey you got IQ we got IQ it's about taking what's necessary to build chemistry every championship team in this league wins a championship based on camaraderie and chemistry and when you add new pieces right Isaac had a hell of a season, right? And shout out to him for winning Defensive Player of the Year. We weren't a team like we should have been. And it was because I didn't lead like I was supposed to. Now, it's easy to say, oh, hey, these are grown men. It doesn't take much to go into it. It ain't like you having three-a-day practices et cetera, et cetera. But it's the rotations. It's the when to execute with certain lineups, formations. It's a lot that goes into the product that you see on the field, not just, hey, these guys are better than these guys. Just go out and play it. We turned the ball over one time the entire 2021. Once. And that was a behind-the-back pass against Spanktown. We turned the ball over one time. Yikes. We had games 
where we turned the ball over three, four times this year. That's not us. That's on me. That's not. So, it's so not. Ryan, can I ask you something? Being that I was one hundred percent all in twenty twenty one, playing with the U, we won a championship together. Felt great. I I I understood and actually went to bat for the leadership that you had on that team and your job description. I got into it with a bunch of people like, oh, Shamar doesn't do anything, and I would tell them straight up verbatim, Shamar does way more than you think, and you guys can keep thinking that. You feel me? And you're going to end up with a surprise. And the surprise was we won the championship. But what changed for you personally between 2021 and 2022 that you lost whatever it is that you had in 2021 to then, you know, going to the 2022 season, missing that piece? What You know what happened? I became a father. Listen, uh, that's that. Hey, guys, let's end the show. That's the end of the pod. That's the truth right there. <laughs> once that listen, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you the honest to God truth, and this is and this is. So you, nobody, Ryan Schmar, came on the three on one podcast to blame the championship loss He's on your kid. No, 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 listen, listen, <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Without, I am, I am. let me tell you something. Without you guys, like, okay. People looked at the A7 and say, hey, this is just a collective of talent. They come out here, they play games. When you don't have somebody that puts it together, Sucks. it it don't flow right. Look at, and this is not to throw any shade, look at what Savage was or the Red Raiders two years ago. They are all the talent in the world. You get what I'm saying? And it just, and it, and it doesn't look like anything because there's nobody like I say this to Kenny Stansberry every year, and he knows this. Said it doesn't matter the talent that you have on the team is who's driving the ship. And if it and if you don't drive the ship, it never gets to where it needs to go. And that's what the key to them winning is. You have Kenny as a leader, and you got Sterry that understood how to get it done. That's how you win. And when you don't have one or the other, it's not the same. And you know this, first time that, bro, my son was born four days after the championship the game championship. last year. Right. And they noticed It was games, bro. I'm like, yo, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I made it. Girl pregnant, nine months. We trying to figure it out. It's a lot that goes in. You can't just negate responsibilities in this league by just oh, having talent. Right. It, won't, it won't win you. So I'm saying all of that to say this, bro. When you have what you have, you have to make it all hit the right way. And I'm going to be honest, from a football schematic standpoint, I never replaced Big Rob. You said, hey, we got a lot of players that came back on the offense from last year to this year. We lost a lineman. We never brought a new one in. We rocked with what we had. Instead of me saying, hey, you know what? We got five dominant receivers. Let me go out here and grab three more O-linemen because this team likes to blitz five and play man-to-man with two corners. I didn't do that. So sometimes going to sleep at the will, it happens. And if you, had that extra, if you had that extra lineman, Ryan, you guys could have stuck with the, the formula for 
successful U football on offense, especially, which is establish the run with running backs that no one wants to tackle and then go over over the top 80 yards because your quarterback can throw the ball to your sprinter wide receivers and it's an easy touchdown. A hundred percent. You know the But let me also say this, Ryan, because uh, first of all, A-plus on being a leader and uh, an example for what it means to be the head of anything because this is the most accountable responsibility and maybe rightfully so. But let me also say this, because I think it's, uh, I think if you guys got that, the two point conversion, Mims reaches out and gets that ties it up. And then one in, in overtime, this whole narrative changes because the, the result changes because I think what, 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 what's important to realize is that regardless of all of the things you're saying, Ryan, which I do 100% believe had a factor in the 2022 season, at the end of the day, we, we praise BIC and rightfully so for beating you guys as close as all of those games were. And when we look back on it, yeah, the U wasn't as dominant as they always had been. But you put a pretty good product out there that went the entire season – competitive in every game arguably the toughest schedule you guys were everybody's super bowl with the weight of you know 30 some odd victories back to back on top of your shoulders and an what elder you, roster if we're being honest in the league and you guys you, were three you guys were three points away from winning it all in a league you, that's, that's getting more competitive so my thing is is that are are we are we focusing more on the result than the actual process? Because I think what the, what you're saying is, is that the process, although it sounded like there was some adjustments, at the end of the day, when you guys got to the playoffs and you refocused and you looked at film and you studied yourselves, you guys were the, at least the second best, if not arguably pretty much on par with the best team in the league. I so think my- that, and I don't mean to cut you off, Corey, but I think we still see that result because of what Ryan said. There was no replacement for Big Rob. And the thing that the BIC figured out the most, and this was a stat we brought up a lot in the playoffs and leading up to it, Huff on games of the week was sacked nearly more than Quattro, uh, pardon me, Sterry Codrington and OG Buck combined. That was after he escaped all of those, those crazy plays. Let me let me let me tell you something. This is a copycat league, right? If you go back and you watch BIC film the year prior, and then you watch this year, something clicked. You know what that something was? When we played the Gators week two, they came out, they put five in the box, and they said, We're gonna blitz Huff a thousand times today and if we lose the one-on-one we'll live with it BIC took that exact formula and that was their defense the rest of the season they did nothing else they came out they played JJ at one corner they played whoever at the other corner and they went variety a nose and another end and they had psycho down in the box they had the wand down in the box and they blitzed five every single play the rest of the season. And they never came out of it. And if you ever made them come out of it, you had success. But by then, 
most teams were down 20. That was it the entire season. This is an X and O game at the end of the day. If you don't, if you send more than they can block, you get home. The difference between us and everyone else is we had enough IQ to say, let's mix it up. But if you watch the game, whenever we committed to the run, we had success. We just didn't have the O-line to sustain it for four quarters. How do you show it takes? To be honest, no, but to be honest, watching it from where I was watching it, the greatest adjustment you guys made was putting Johnson on Verardi. Exactly. Once you guys did that second half, once you guys did that second half, and again, I, I, I always feel I always feel bad. Again, I feel guilty. I always kind of retract from these conversations because I'm like, yo, if I'm in the game, I'm in Shamar's ear. Like, bro, we got to put him in the backfield. We need to do this. Yes, and I'll block everybody. We can block everybody else. Just get Verardi the fuck out of here. You get what I'm saying? Like, the adjustment was made. The adjustment was made. You want to know why? Was we, took, we, took, we, took, we took Marcel Bates from DN. We put him at center. And that created an extra lineman that we had no intentions on ever using. The you never let Bates play a line. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. You know he we, was standing there, though, trying to sell them tap-outs to the defensive line. Though. That's why he was. <laughs> yeah. But schematically, bro, I'm just saying, like, from a football standpoint, we didn't, we didn't build our team to beat BIC. But every team in the league was built to beat Patterson U. And that's Listen, I, I'm not gonna say where I got it from, but Verardi was specifically before they knew I was actually retiring, Verardi was put there to kick my ass. A hundred percent because that's the that's the that's the key, bro. The key is if we have a quarterback that's throwing fifty touchdowns a season, we gotta create pressure or we're not gonna win. So let's create it. It was just bad GMing by me not getting the necessary protection I needed for my quarterback. But now that it's here, we made the adjustment late. We dominated that game to me in the second half. We should have won besides the referee call that I'm not going to get into. I just feel as though had we went to OT, we win the game. Uh, and of course, I'm going to feel like that because besides the Debo fumble, we didn't get stopped offensively. And I feel as though calls happen, right? One way or another, they happen. But moving forward, the Patterson U is going to be reloaded for next season. This isn't a rebuild. And as far as I'm concerned, we got a championship 2021. We beat them. We went undefeated. They went undefeated. They beat us. Let's break the tie. I'm I'm looking forward to see that happen. But oh, Rob, go ahead. No, I did want to um actually go back to something Corey said because I really don't agree with it and it stuck with me. He said if you got if you won in overtime, the narrative right now would be different, and I honestly don't think it would. I think I think Ryan would still be right here saying that this is still their worst season. The worst season that they had. I well, think it's more of the outward, the outward narrative. I'm telling you, whatever your narrative was, I'd have came on this podcast and I would have laughed and told everyone 
you let us win a championship playing like shit. Right, see? What did I come yeah, in with? Yeah, when I came in laughing when I, about it, when, when, we the, when we beat, when we got to down the, the, when we got to the championship, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Corey. When we got to the championship, remember I walked in the booth at Asbury, and what did I say? I said they fucked up and they let us in the chip, remember? Yeah, you I did say that. that. And I said it because everyone all season had us not making it back after we lost to Rare Breed, remember? All right, it hold was... up, though, because remember when that happened and remember when you guys lost to BIC the first time, what did I say? I said, this isn't the goal for the U. I knew you guys would get back. I, I, no, go, booth, go check the footage. Booth. Yeah, the entire booth. Off camera, we, when we had our, our like pre-production meetings, post-production meetings, no one's ever doubted that the U was going to make it to the chip. We knew that you was going to make it to the chip. On the contrary, oh, don't say, I don't thought say you no were sticking more dangerous. Well, I, I will say I this. I will say, say no this. one. The, this the was, I'm saying amongst the players, amongst the players, GMs in the league, what the board facts. was, what the lives were, what RTU was, what everything yeah, was. Yeah, they didn't think you were making it back. Yeah, they didn't think you We were not going to make it back. We were old. We were finished. I mean, guys, we've been the oldest team in the league the last six years. That's facts. That's facts. It, it, it doesn't change anything because we know how to play the game. So, to be honest with you, I'm going to be honest. I give BIC all the credit in the world because we played chess. And it was me and versus Sterry. And Sterry figured out how to win a game three times. And there's nothing else I can say about it. They got the better of us. And I will tell you this. The key to it all is the pressure that they were able to create because something clicked for me in that second quarter of that game. And now that it clicked, we're back playing chess again. But I also think if people pay attention to that championship game, there's variety is stoppable now. I know, I know people might not take that away, but what you guys did in that second half, it really showed that variety can be stopped or slowed down at least enough to get your offense to do something. You just have to have the right player in a position to do it. But it's, like you said, it's a copycat league. They saw the blueprint. The, the blueprint is this. If you know how to schematically scheme against an overload set, you can block it. You can block it enough to where you can deliver the ball, right? But all year, if you watch the film, watch every film of BIC playing after today. It's a five-show, man-to-man, no safety. We have more people than you have to block. Yeah, that's the defense that I've played from every team my entire career. <laughs> I think right. get home, though. Um so, Ryan, I think I think more than anyone that's ever come on here, you've been as 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 honest with an assessment of, of your season and, and your team's shortcomings in general. But let's let's go like what you were talking about pre-show. Let's go a little 30 for 30. What are some details about not only last season, but more interestingly, maybe 
some of your other championship runs or or I don't know. Th- this dynasty's got a lot of stories, I'm sure. Oh, introduce man. introduce me, because Rob knows, because he's been there. But introduce <laughs> me, Matt, and, and our fans at home to the real behind-the-scenes Patterson U. Patterson U is a collection of some of the most talented football players that you unfortunately don't have the pleasure of seeing on Sunday in the NFL. Patterson U is nothing but personality, and Patterson U feels like the only team that can beat Patterson U. Now we know that Ryan. What I'm saying is, is let's get some let's get some personality stories in the form of a narrative. Like, tell me something. Question. I have All right. So who who is the most annoying on the sideline during the game? Marcel Bates, Ross Far. Why? Because he's selling the, the, the tap outs or has he actually got football things to say? No, it's Marcel Bates because Marcel Bates might be the oldest person on the team that still thinks he's 22 <laughs> and wants to catch <laughs> touchdown passes. <laughs> Who wants to throw? If we let, if we told Marcel Bates tomorrow that we would just only play Quattro Huffin on defense and let him play quarterback, he would go do it. He'd love he'd it. Go he'd do it. it. And he thinks he has a better arm than everyone in A7. A hundred percent. His name is Booby Miles because he really thinks he can spin at every single position on the field. He doesn't I mean, I mean, I mean, eight years ago. He has some proof. Right? No, no, no. The proof is in the pudding, but yeah. Corey, he still thinks he's him. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like he's still, he doesn't understand that. He's not the same anymore. If you have All a right, conversation Marcel. with Marcel Biggs, he'll tell you he still got it. So if you ask Marcel Biggs who the top five football players of all time, just like KWAC, <laughs> he'll mention himself. A hundred percent. You kidding me? Who who is the best player that barely ever touched the field? For me, and you can say who you want. You guys stole Nick Kayam from me. The, the white wide receiver that used to play for the Rebels. He never and dropped a pass. And I want to play pass. a soul. What's up? He's never dropped a pass. He never he had it down I, for the U. You guys, you guys ruined his career. That's not true. If I can tell you this right now, if, if Nick Kayyem played last season, you don't get the Kari Mims. Wow. Ooh. Okay, but then when he was on your guys' roster, even though there's tons of names in front of him, why was he never in the game? I was oh. in his. I was the only. I was. The, I felt like the only completions that he had all year were f- from me sending DMs to him that he read. Okay, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. The offense that Huff constructed because our offense hit a switch. It changed. We became more high-paced. We became more package-driven. We became more organized. It looked like a. It looked like the show. Like we were the Lakers in the '80s. It was showtime. That offense with different packages, different personnel, where everyone touched the ball and everyone caught at least three or four touchdowns in a season. That offense didn't come about until Nick stopped playing. The year he stopped playing is when Huff figured it out. 
and you got Quattrell Huffin, the three-time MVP, who is unofficial because Ryan wouldn't give it to him three years in a row. But yeah, you get him. You like that offense doesn't click. You got him when we had Tyree McQueen at quarterback and Huff was just coming back in the fold, or when Moon was playing quarterback and we were more running with a mobile quarterback. You didn't get Nicholas Kime in an offense where we're throwing for 45 points a game every game. He didn't get to play in that offense. And But when I tell you, Corey, when we got up to, you know, we don't call it practice because we get up all the time. But when we got up together, he never dropped the pass. I've never seen Nick drop a pass. Yeah, why do you think I'm mentioning his name? Because I've never seen him on the field for the past year. But who else Who else is a guy that you wish you could have used more? Because that team has always been so deep. This past season, who I wish I could have used more? Any season. This past season, I wish y'all could have seen Sadiq Pitts more. Mm. Well, we saw him on defense, and that's where he, he felt like a little out of place. And then towards the end of the season, he, he, he found a little spot as kind of like a Alvin Kamara type back. He's um, one of that. The, is that your cousin? We are related. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like a re- relation alone. I'm going to be out. And I could pick somebody else if you don't want that. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't mean the nepotism aspect of it. I was just confirming that. Yeah, he's, same Pitts family he's, a, he's a running back by trade. The only reason why you saw him playing defensive back was due to injuries to the defensive backs that we primarily used, which is Kels Gallimore due to suspension, Deion Davis because of injury, et cetera, et cetera. He's really a running back. And he's probably, when he gets the ball in his hand in the open field, he's very special. But to be honest, I wish we used Kyle Ward more than we did. And believe it or not, I think Kyle Ward has the potential, if he's not, to be the best wide receiver in this league. Kyle Ward in the championship game and lead up to the championship game really showed up and turned into a star player for your team and really starting to see the transition from the Kareem Moon era of the Patterson Yuan offense to that era, seeing hopefully in 2023 Sadiq Pitts at his natural position of running back. What are some of the players that you almost had in the fold that would surprise people who saw them playing on the other side of you on a Sunday? Um, I don't want to tell you that because I still might get them. Oh my! But <laughs> um, I like I like gritty guys, and Big Rob would know these players for what impact that they could make on the field. But if I could have had Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray is a guy who people are not going to highlight as a star. But when you turn the film on, he makes plays. He He's hard to block. He's low to the ground. He gets to where he needs to go. And he causes frustration every time he lines up on the field. I used to hate blocking Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray is probably the most underrated player in this league in my eyes. Uh, who's the most did. overrated? 
The Ooh. most overrated guy in this league is Corey oh, Hinton. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, can we get an applause for Corey Hinton? No, no, no. I'm barely Let's rated. Applause. That was genius. I, I knew it was Corey. You walked into it. I, I can't believe you walked yourself into it. The most I mean, overrated player. In the I'll, I'll take just like Ryan took the you know dove on the sword for uh, you know his role in the. Uh, losses for the U. I'll 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 take that. But I'll, you know, I'm not a I'm not really even a player though. I like I I, I did like you said, you t- you talked about uh Gerald Llewellyn who's a running back and he started over me this year. So if if I'm out of you want to know why Corey <laughs> go ahead. Because he can run. <laughs> and coming from Ryan Shamar who cannot run I thought you would be on At my all. side, my guy. That's why I'm standing on the sideline where you should be at with me sometimes so we can connect and share mm. ideas. You're a great I'll pastor. share ideas with you, but I'll share them I'll share them after I throw fucking touchdown passes to Eddie Pettiot on fades over the top of Neon Dion in the Salas and I'll come right the over. The fact that you think me. I will put Neon Dion on Eddie Pettiot is where you lost anyway. <laughs> <laughs> go look at the go look at the tournament. You must not have been there. That was, I was my there. only game that I had over 200 yards passing against you guys, and we lost. But still, I'm gonna I'm gonna rack up the yards. So, what <laughs> makes you think that that would happen twice? Listen, we'll see. Because hopefully, we get a chance to to not talk about it, but be about it. But moving on, who is the most <laughs> overrated player in the A7FL that isn't old, gray haired? And talks too much. <laughs> Arno Wachter. Mm. All right. So he's overrated in his own mind because he's the best player of all time in his own mind. Where do you rank him in this list, Ryan? All right. Dondre Haynes. Uh-huh. Carnell Wachter. Dot Boss, Beefy, and just for shits and giggles, Big Mook. All of those players that you name play this both ways of the ball better than Carnell Wacker. And Ryan, let me ask you this. Corey, Corey, let me me expand. Let me expand. Yes, my bad, my bad. Corey, you guys gave Carnell Wacker defensive player of the year last year and he didn't even play a defensive snap in a championship i was so mad at that I was it's it's so literally impossible for you to be considered the best player on one side of the ball and in the biggest game of the season you don't play a snap on that well, side by, of the ball by it is the, the way, biggest robbery in a seven history by the way, that BIC defense gave up 300 yards passing to your bullet that year, the most overrated player in the A7FL. So that defense never got my seal of approval. Corey, you scrambled for 25 yards one time in that game. <laughs> Did I call I that know. game? I feel like on I called option, that game. On an option keep, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly, because they said, nah. I ain't going for the quarterback here. I'm gonna to go to the running back threat. Can I can but I reenact I that run real quick? For 25 yards. Can I had I, to I had to find a body to land into because you know I wasn't juking. Can I'm I reenact the run right real quick, Corey? It's first and ten, ball on the 25 yard line. 
the snap. And the entire BIC defense is chasing Corey Hammond, but somehow, someway, he has found his way into open field. Pigs are flying, the Snow Tribe is undefeated, and for some reason, Rob Fabian is clean-shaven as Corey Hammond pulls 25 yards and runs out of play. (laughs) That's hilarious. Go! Let's go! Oh, no, wait. That couldn't be real, is it? Those are the dreams Corey has every night. I want you to know that. He has those (laughs) specific dreams. Three of you this know that I've never dreamed. No beer. My wife may dream about me running the ball. Come on. I will. I will say this. I will say this. And this is. And I don't want to make this a hate show about any player that plays for BIC. They're the champions. Cardinal Wacker, you're a champion. I know you're gonna hear this and say, "Oh, God's playing or whatever he says." <laughs> He's yeah. the fact that y'all let him win Defensive Player of the Year. DeAndre Haynes is an Iron Man. He never comes off of the field. M. Dot is probably the best. To me, he's the best tight end in the league. And he's top five DN when he plays DN. I think Mook made a lot of big plays, game changing plays, and big wow. moments in the playoffs this season, put games away. Even the championship the division championship, he put the game away. He had three turnovers and probably the span of four minutes. These are things that you will never associate with the name Cardinal Wacker. And that's 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 true. And that, that was one of the reasons why me and me and K Wack used to get into it. Because I just felt like his mouth pause was was bigger than his game. You get what I'm, I'm saying? All like, for confidence. I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah, confidence. Like, you got to show the field as well. How? But you got to take a look at what KWAC does as a weapon, Ryan. How much would you love with the? And this is not. This is not an attack. The forty-five shit talkers that exist on the Patterson U sideline any given Sunday. If you had KWAC on your side, talking the same amount of balderdash every single week, week in and week out. Wouldn't you want someone like that on your side? If KWAC was on your side of the ball, I think it would be very fortuitous for the U because you guys like every single advantage on the field. You have had other teams try to fist fight your defensive linemen for what's going down at the line. There were various points where we would go to a replay in-game over the last three seasons I've been in the league, and I'd have to say in my head, ah, fucking shit, Huff's going again. We got to break out of the replay. You guys love the mental fuckery. Wouldn't more weapons like that really pay dividends? No. Really? I knew it. I I said all of those words for nothing. Not a yeah, fucking no, thing. Let me tell you I'm something. Do you know how many people in this league? Like, let me be honest with you. Everyone in this league talks shit, man. Everyone. Oh, I'm aware. The difference between everyone else and people that play. When I say you have to fit the culture, it ain't just the shit talking. It really isn't. It's people on our sideline respect everyone's game at a certain level. Now, I will tell you this. Colonel Wachter, best position I've ever seen him play in A7 is O-line. He can block. He can legitimately block. Cannot take it away from him. He's a better O-lineman than he ever was to me, a defensive lineman. But to just add 
a player for any reason, no. And if he played for Patterson, you he would play O line. Mm. I, I so to clarify, that. so to clarify, of all those names that I said, he would be the last of those names. I would take would... every last player that you just named over him in a heartbeat. So to be clear, all of those players were from my fantasy team. Want to bring the A7FL to your town? Well, you're in luck. Between now and October 1st, we are still taking applications to buy a division in the American Sevens Football League. Join Columbus for our 2023 season now. For more information on it, go to a7fl.com slash owners. That's a7fl.com slash owners. Get your piece of the future of football and bring us to your town. there it's matt ryan are you enjoying this a7fl podcast well i'm glad you are because that means you can give us money that's right you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch that's tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch up there right now we have some thick boy season merchandise we've got some hus hus shirts and also we've got some Corey hammond related merchandise coming soon a Corey hammond Corey hammond's t-shirt hoodie and a whole lot more you can get all of them right now sent to you nice comfy and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch and also you can find it in the show notes now back to that podcast you like and matt's the only one that's on big rob's fantasy yo, team when we did our fantasy draft <laughs> guess what? but guess what ryan guess where i'll put them O-line, yeah. I was going to oh, ask God. way before exactly. we clarified. Come on, come on. Come if, on. If we had a, if we had, I'll go so far to say this. If we had an all-pro A7 team, I would give KWAC a nod as an all-pro O-lineman this year. And I would, too. I would. I, would. I, I promise you, his flowers are the there. O-line. He found yeah. something that he was good at, and uh, I understand they probably only did it at a position of need because when he started playing O-line for the 2021 season, they probably were short a couple line and they just needed somebody out there that could move with Sterry and it just worked and he stayed. But legitimately, he's one of the best O-linemen in the league. I mean, I now, I got a it. question for both of you. Why did you do that? Why did you go and why did you go and praise KWAC? Now he's going to be talking about how he's an all-pro offensive line because he because he's really good. I will give him I will give him that he's probably all second right. team all-pro, but he's all-pro. Before you ever do that again, just ask yourself the question: Why did you do that? So let's 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 keep this going and talk about the rest of the league, Ryan, because because we love your insight on the U, um, but you're also a really smart football mind, a really experienced A7 guy. In the 2022 season, one of the things that came out of it was, and we got into this a little bit before, and you've seen it up close and personal, but the rare breed quarterback situation. Now we've got confirmation from Corey Price and and other sources that. Corey's going to the Gators. Corey who? Corey, Corey Price. Price, CP3. CP3. He's going to the Baltimore Gators? Yes. You don't listen to the Baltimore Gators? Episode 8, 
Guess where CP3 no. is oh, going? No, oh, CP3 joined who? To play quarterback. Yep. He that's bag, ho. He's he's going to the Gators. And don't 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 blaspheme our guy. Just wait, because the question is about the rare breed quarterbacks. Now, if you're the rare breed and you have the choice of the two quarterbacks moving forward, who do you put your money behind? OG Buck or Lenny Manziel? You rock with Buck. You rock with Buck, but you're not going to win a championship solely because of Buck or Lenny. But you rock with Buck because of his football mind. Of the top of the top quarterbacks in this league, of the top four, Huff, Sterry, let's just say Bagway, who's the fourth best quarterback in the league? Buck. So to, to clarify, because the reason I'm bringing this up, we had RTU on, Keith Salmons. And at one side of his mouth, and I love Baltimore, but hopefully they hate us, hate on us as a show and me personally for this. But just listen, out of one side of his mouth, he's talking about how Buck is the third best quarterback in the entire league because he's got to rep his Baltimore guy. But then when he goes inside information, he's talking about how OG Buck is that perennial guy that gets you to the mountaintop but can't get it, get you over the top. He gets you to a certain point, can't get you over the top. In, in the, the rare breed Nightcrawlers game, OG Buck got them to a point where it was close. Fourth quarter, Lenny finishes it out. Matt has a conversation about starting and closing quarterbacks. My soul dies on our podcast. <laughs> rare breed against the U. Rare breed beach in the regular season. Everything was nice and hunky-dory for the rare breed when they faced the U in the regular season. Now all the money's on the line. Literally, end of the game, Lenny's finishing it out. If you could only have one of those guys moving forward, you definitely would pick Buck still, right? It's Buck 100% because what Lenny does for two to three plays, you're getting that out of Buck for major in majority of his games. You're getting that from him most of the time. I will tell you that I was one of the people that everybody called crazy because I said, hey, guys, we went out to Delaware with 14 guys. We didn't have our real offensive firepower. And the fact that that game was even close for three quarters was literally on the detriment of Rare Breed. Even with Buck playing, what I did tell him at the time was one of his best, most accurate games. However, that game against the Nightcrawlers, he had the worst second half I've ever seen him play. Because he got hit. Ever. He was playing with a sprained yeah. ankle, I think, at one point. But I'm saying it's not about his ankle to me because that's not his mobility. If that was in question, then I would say that. I'm talking about his reads, his execution, his accuracy, his play calling even was off. Everything was rattled that entire second half. I don't even think he completed more than three passes that whole second half. It was their offense was stagnant. It just wasn't moving it was more of a defensive game in that second half than anything and they got the spark from Lenny granted on Buck's play calling right so I give him the nod there but then you come back the next week against the U and for better for lack of better terms he shit the bed well I've been there before Ryan and I don't know how many times you play quarterbacks against the U defense in practice but that shit hard, man. <laughs> and just like I was talking to, 
just just like I was talking about with you and 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 the results being you know the driver of the narrative, the rare breed and OG Buck specifically, if we're talking about the Cobras last year, the rare breed are a Final Four team and probably the third best team in the entire league. They found a way to beat a Nightcrawlers team that seemed like it was at least a, a pretty solid team, especially when they had that difference maker at quarterback. So I would say, just like when I asked you, what was this season like for the U? I would say that if I asked you, what was the season like for the rare breed, a, a true rare breed guy would say it was a failure because they didn't win, win the championship. That's the right attitude to have. But as an analyst, just watching this thing, I'm looking at what rare breed did, bringing together multiple teams and trying to build a unit. And when you don't talk about the emotional sides of it and, and, and the, the, the recency bias, I would say that they had a solid year. They have a foundation to build on. And OG Buck is, is, is a quarterback that was in the MVP conversation for a lot of the year. Now, can the I amount talk, of guys you brought to Delaware. You, can I be real with you, Corey? I, you, you've been honest and real, so you don't have to say let's be honest, let's, and you don't have to ask me if you're real. You always are both. Let's, let's really talk about it and unpack it. They didn't find a way to beat the Nightcrawlers. The Nightcrawlers showed them they showed them it's like when you you showed somebody you had a safe in your house with a million dollars in it and you gave them a code you gave a good team an opportunity to beat you and they beat you that game's over if bagway falls in bounds that game's over if they stay they try and he doesn't listen. fumble out of bounds that if game's they over try no, right. that's what I, all I'm all I'm saying. Just let me get my point off. I'll let I got you. I got you. What I'm saying is, they had multiple opportunities to put the game away that had nothing to do with rare breed, nothing to do. It was lack of IQ, lack of execution, and when you give a good team, in which they are a good team, and I will never take that away, when you give a good team multiple chances to beat you, they're gonna beat you. But what I will say about Rare Breed is it's a bad season because they didn't take a step forward. If they, they had never made existed. It, Corey, okay. I'll say Buck, OG Buck didn't take a step forward. Coming into the season where we had him ranked is where we have him ranked right now. Before we knew who Mark Bagway was and we gave him the three wow. slot, you know who had the three spot? Wow. We gave it to Ace Boogie. You know where the furthest OG Buck went to the final four with a loss to the U. You know where he lost this year, Corey? The same place for the third wow. season in a row. Has, should that done. roster have beaten the U this year? They could have. I came into the season saying that I thought that Rare Breed had the best roster outside of us. Now, granted, BIC had the familiarity and the leadership that got them back to the championship where they lost the year prior. But OG Buck did not take a step forward in no way, shape, or form. He was an MVP candidate last year. Let me, wow. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you wow. this. Two, two years ago, where Patrick Mahomes was to where Patrick Mahomes is now, has he taken steps forward? Two years ago, post-Super Bowl win, are you saying that? Regardless, right? Even if it is Super Bowl win, isn't has Patrick Mahomes taken a step forward? Maybe, yes. maybe not. Right? I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. 
I'll tell you why. Because two years ago, nobody thought in a million years that he would have the Chiefs offense still operating at a level where they're able to put up points the way they were now because the narrative before the season was, hey, they lost Tyreek Hill. They might not be the same high-powered offense. And here's Pat Mahomes doing Pat Mahomes things. Well, last year, last year they didn't make the Super Bowl. And years prior, they did. Defensively, because that defense wasn't as good. This defense this year was probably the best defense pound for pound in the entire league, in my opinion. I think he had a great scheme. That rare breed defense was literally a concoction of the Vikings defense from two years prior. That defense with Freight Train, Wolverine, um, Ant Mo, Beefy, etc. That defense is a lot better. That Chiefs team was not the same defense that Spagnola had that went and won the Super Bowl. This defense was better than the gate. I mean, than the Cobras defense the year prior. He had everything this year. He had everything. So what stands in the way of those players? Like when you see them go against the Nightcrawlers. And that defense is running over them in the first half. And you see Mark Bagway have a transformational game, a guy that we talked about a lot coming into the game and being nothing but potential. But as you said, if he falls in bounds, you guys were playing the Nightcrawlers. That was going to end up being the road. And how would you guys would have responded to what Tampa was bringing? To be 100% honest with you, the Tampa team that I saw play Ironman football, and I think that our high-paced style of offensive play would have fatigued them. I think we would have had a high-scoring game. You would have blown. High- you would have blown the Nightcrawlers out if they couldn't. Not, if they couldn't wait, help wait, stop see, themselves I from dancing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell you that because of what our flaws were. Just hear me out. Yeah, knowing what our flaws were defensively and seeing what the night callers were, I think that they are able to score. They're going to score. They're going to score at least 20 to 28 points a game because of how they play. They're going to score at least four touchdowns just of sheer ability alone. And if they brought everybody that they brought, because everybody that played against the um, played against the D.C. Buzz, I saw a couple of those guys missing when I saw them play against OG Buck the following week when they play rare breed. What I'm saying is they came up all the way. I don't think that we blow them out. I think we do the same exact thing that we did to rare breed. I think that you saw a good matchup. Ryan, I have it on good authority that, and I've had, again, I've had debates, plenty of people with this. There's a lot of people in the league right now that feel like if Tampa Bay beat rare breed, and I quote, I can't tell you who said it, but I quote, that those night crawlers would have whooped the used ass. End quote. Dude, oh, it was probably, probably K Wack calling night crawlers baby BIC no. the whole year. I can <laughs> I can tell you in the, I can tell you an exclusive. Ryan DePaul told me out his mouth if we would have went to Tampa to play the night crawlers. That he, if he was a betting man in his own league, which he said he's not. He does not Ryan bet DePaul, Ryan DePaul said that he would put money up 
that we would not beat the Nightcrawlers by more than a touchdown. This is out of Ryan DePaul's mouth. And Baltimore calls me a narc. I offered, I offered to go in place because I thought going to Tampa was a good opportunity that players who have been in the league and had such a higher seed should have had the opportunity of doing. I said, let us go. Not DC bus. Let us have the opportunity to go to Tampa and experience it. I was denied because it would change the structure in the league. But Ryan DePaul came out his mouth and said he felt like that the Nightcrawlers would give us a run for our money. So this isn't just a Cardinal Wax or a BIC hate kind of thing. There were people, once again, telling Patterson, you, we don't have it. Bagway will run us out of the building. Do you guys think you're strong against that style of quarterback play? What you saw Mark Bagway do? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I feel like schematically we know how to play against Bagway. But once again, it's about execution, which is why I'm giving him his flowers by saying he would score. But the way they play defense, I feel like we had an opportunity to score every time we touched the ball. I agree. And that's probably the most honest thing you said, because in the conversations when I was going to bat, I'm like, listen, I don't think Tampa Tampa's defense is ready for what the U was bringing. But I also don't think they can stop the U whatsoever. But in saying that, Mark Bagway is, again, this might be a hot take, he's probably one of the better playmakers we've seen at the quarterback position. For, for us to only see him at one game of the week and for him to make the list, even in the top four, top five, is insane in itself. But his play speaks for itself. Mark Bagway would have definitely found a way to score and would have had your D-line, which, again, it had Isaac, who's defensive player of the year, but the rest of the guys weren't, like, at the tip-top shape. If they couldn't handle a guy like Sterry sometimes running out of the pocket, what could they have done with the Mark Bagway? That's the question that kept coming the, back to the, me. The honest, the honest to God thing is this. The thing is, is that we play defense a way that I haven't seen anybody play defense against Bagway, Right? Sterry was able to do what Sterry was able to do because Sterry saw it. What we play Sterry five times now. It's oh, yeah, different yeah. when you're seeing it for the first time. And that's why I tell people all the time, the level of difficulty in beating the Patterson you the first time you play us is slim to none. I don't lose to anybody the first time we play them because you remember seeing this before. It took outside of gross his fourth time against us to beat us. It took Sterry his third time to beat us. It took shit. It fucking took OG Buck his fourth time to play us to beat us. Like it, it takes you time to, pardon me, it took Buck his third time to beat us. It no, takes there time. were years, there were years before too. He was on the Bulldogs too. Well, I'm saying as a starting, I'm saying as a starting quarterback, when he played for the Bulldogs, they had Trey Lope playing quarterback for the most part. I'm nah, saying nah, nah. Like, it wasn't the Bulldogs; it was one of those other teams. But I'm talking about like OG Buck's been playing in this league since. No, he has, uh, but the year he played for the Cobras, that they let him. The my first year seeing him play quarterback when he played for the Cobras, they didn't play us that year. We didn't play him when they came up here with the white uniforms on. And I saw him really playing quarterback. We didn't play him that year. Yeah, with I'm, the Baltimore I'm just saying thing. all of yeah, that yeah. to say that 
the way we play defense, I don't have Bagway beating us the first time. And respectfully, I think that regardless of how anybody feels about my defense, we get more stops against them than their defense is getting against Huff, especially rushing three, having a sitting duck in the middle of the field, the way that they played. Honestly, I'm going to be real. That game was close because of lack of production from Buck. That's why I'm telling you that when you complete only three passes in a whole half, in the second half of a close game like that, they literally did not score again until the trick play. And they, and then that goes full that goes full circle to back to what I was talking about. Cause it sounds like it's a very similar conversation. And this is why it's so interesting to me. Huff is, I mean, excuse me, Buck is maybe the fourth best quarterback in this league. Yet there's a book out on him, similar to the book that I'm overrated. But there's a book now out on OG, OG Buck, the Buck book, that he's he the narrative for the 2022 season is, is that when you look at the rare breed roster, what held them back was the second half against rare uh, Nightcrawlers, and then the game against the U in the playoffs. A- am I reading that wrong? No. Because if you're the general you. manager and you are you somehow forgot to pay people for years and you become Marcus Cole, what do you do with that team mm. to make them one of the better teams, if not a championship team for the next year? If you were in his shoes, if you were in his shoes that completely avoided the bill, what Holy would you do? Tell <laughs> you the honest to God truth. I said it all year. I go take EJ and I take Darshawn Grove. I take him to Roof Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> and I say, fellas, I need some corners. And not only do I need some corners, but Darshawn Grove, if I need you to come in here and manage this game for me because Buck isn't delivering, you can do it. Who is the quarterback that exists on this planet that you could replace Buck with on the rare breed that's what's that does not play that's for BIC? No, right. That's what's getting to me. Who else? That does not play for right. BIC or the yeah, U right I'm, now. I'm, Who I'm is the be human honest. being that you put in that spot that does a better job than well, Buck? Be, this year? Before you even answer that, right, I'm going to be honest. I agree with some, Ryan Shamar when he says Buck took a very linear step he didn't go from four to three. He went from four to four to four to four. Like, he's been at the fourth spot and even let Bagway jump ahead of him, right? I agree. But maybe I'm starting to realize I have a I have an OG Buck bias because I truly don't think the guy's as bad as right now the statistics oh. we're talking about. Let me about. tell you, it's not about being bad. Let me not get this twisted. He's, one of, my fa- he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in this league. I'm telling you that his winning or lack thereof comes from his. All right. You ever heard anybody say the expression, you're so smart that you're stupid? You ever heard that before? Of course. Of course. I mean, people usually just call me straight out stupid, right? He knows how to call plays. He's one of the best creative play callers in the league, but he's so creative that he doesn't stick to the basics as much as he should. Because his flow to his play calling isn't as – it's not to the best of his ability. 
Yeah, but it was all regular season, right? It was all regular season. And against the Baltimore teams, that team rare breed, which is the Cobras, Vikings, those teams usually would still have trouble with the Gators. Now, the Gators didn't have a quarterback. We'll see what happens next year. The, the play calling is what, so one of the things that even even Rob was saying in the Nightcrawlers game, him calling the play, and we talked about it in the pre-call, Ryan, him calling that play in that situation, that's a great play call. And that's a really, that's a really intelligent, intellectual type of creative move. That's what I'm saying. Right. But what I'm but, saying but from- is, is that what the critique on him in the second half against Nightcrawlers, the not completing passes, you know, you, you saying he shit the bed against you guys. I don't think the critique is as much as in the mind talking about, like, how are we going to attack this and, and knowing what to do or, or calling too complicated a plays. But I think you're, I think what people are accusing him is his heart. And what I don't want, I don't want people, I don't want people to misunderstand because what I keep hearing is people saying that, well, it's the, the, we got to the, to this, the one spot in the playoffs against the best teams and then kill it. I'm not saying, no, no, no. I'm going to tell you something. Kill it. We hit that boy more than we hit everybody. And I'm talking about, we hit him dirty too. And I'll tell him, we had to hit him. We hit him more than we hit anybody. He got up every time. It ain't about his heart. It's, it's about it's 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 about to me, and I'm gonna be honest. He's so creative. He doesn't like running the things that work as much as he should. That's the problem. See, Stary, Stary had a mindset. If it ain't broke, I'm not fixing it until y'all right. make me fix right. it. Buck does not have that. If you turn the film on. Rare Breed versus the U, week four in Abyssinio. He did not call the same plays as freaking as he did. You know when we saw that rocket screen to Pac-Man? In the fourth quarter. You know Yeah, but guess what? They the they ran game. that they ran that package where they had the jet motion, and Matt will remember this vividly because I, I hammered it. And it, every time they ran it, it worked. They ran the jet motion with pack money, and it would expand your defense side to side, opening up holes in the middle, and then they mm-hmm. would go either over the top. So, so there was some consistency there, and I think, I think what you're saying isn't wrong because when he got to those next levels, the the execution wasn't there. Checked on the out, checked out, Corey. But is His it, reese wasn't there. His reese wasn't there. I watched. But no, it wasn't the reese weren't there. In my opinion, what I saw at times is that the ball wasn't thrown as accurately as in the successful times yes. which i'll ask you this with pressure on huff this year did did huff even look at times like a human being like we never thought was possible he was always a human being it's I just mean, that I, I don't see that on film i don't nah, see human nah, beings nah, on nah, film I'm not listen when i was blocking i'm gonna tell like you i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you what it was quarterbacks have to get into a rhythm. You know this, right? More than anybody, good. yes. It, it feels good to come out there, complete a good two or three rhythm throws in a row, timing routes, and he gets you going. Our lack of O-line play and the height and level of pressure didn't let Huff get into a rhythm as much, and that's kudos to who we played. Realizing, attacking that, and making him figure out ways to do it and honestly against everyone but BIC who had the offensive firepower to keep their foot on the pedal everyone else fell victim to that right because eventually when Huff would figure it out 
it was over, right? The difference between Buck and them is Buck doesn't do that as much as he should. When they beat us, I went on live and I said, guys, they said, hey, our running backs weren't there. I said, that was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to you because he was forced to go more three wide set. He was forced more to have to rely on his arm and he threw a lot more in that game than he usually does because he was able to get in the rhythm. So now when he's taking those shots down the field to Ant Mo, when he's taking those shots down the field to Marlon, he's connecting. He took himself out the game in the first quarter because they came out in the power set and tried to run the ball on us. That's not what won you that game. Yeah, and 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 we were questioning some of the play calls as it was happening. But my my last point, and then we'll move on from uh Buck, because this is an interesting conversation because it sounds similar when we talk to smart guys. We are are talking about the number four quarterback in all of H7FL right now. We're Mm. not talking about some bum. We're actually talking about the fourth best quarterback in the league. You asked me a question. You asked me a question. Who would we replace off of intelligence alone? The answer is John Goss. Yeah, but that – all right. And and he's also – He's also a very gifted quarterback when he's healthy. But if if Corey Price is going to the Gators and John Gauze is the one who called him to go there, according to Corey, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's not available. So, yes, Ace Boogie in his prime, who's the only quarterback that ever won a championship for Maryland, and luckily he didn't have to play um, the U or BIC or the Chiefs or the Immortals in the championship. He got to play another Baltimore team. But that's another conversation for Baltimore to send hate mail to me about. <laughs> who, who in this league that you could actually potentially obtain do you think is a better option for the rare breed of quarterback than OG Buck? Because I don't think option. he because I don't th- my point is is I don't think that person exists. And I think if you're trying to build your team to beat BIC or to beat the U or to make sure you you can beat the Nightcrawlers more handedly next year, or you face the the Insomniacs, which are loading up, you know, castaways from Ohio, you know, Vegas, Florida, wherever. If you're building that team, I think the last thing that you need to look at for the rare breed is their quarterback position, because there are other options if they're if they're gonna try to fix it might be a downgrade because you're talking about OG buck going from four to four and that being a negative. Well, four to four to me is, is a net equal. And the reason I asked you about Patrick Mahomes is because year to year, Patrick Mahomes might not win the super bowl, but if he, if he loses in the wild card round this year, as, as a football collective, no one's going to say, well, you know, if the Chiefs had this guy instead of Patrick Mahomes, they'd be a better team because it's just a ridiculous statement. So let me make this statement. If they're not going to have OG Buck or if OG Buck should have played better, if OG Buck is the reason Rare Breed is the third best team in the A7FL and did not beat the U, which is the only thing that we asked him to do that he wasn't able to do the second time because he did beat you guys the one time. It just didn't count. You're Marcus Cole at the restaurant. All right, waitress just turned her back. We're dipping. What do you do? Hey, Corey, can I ask you a question? 
and I'm you can always ask me a question. I'm 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 gonna answer that. By the way, Corey, you want to know why nobody says anything about Patrick Mahomes? Where did Patrick Mahomes lose last year, Corey? In the final four. So he's a field goal away from going to another Super Bowl. That's why nobody says anything, Corey. Because they actually know he can go back. So we've never seen OG Buck in a championship. Because if we did, we wouldn't say these things. Who would you rather, Ryan, who would you rather have as the starting quarterback for the rare breed? Prime Alex Vargas from the Chiefs or OG Buck? You know what's crazy? It's Buck. But you want to know? But Vargas has a championship. We're talking championships. Vargas didn't make the plays to win that team the championship. You know who put him back in there? OG Buck last year. You know who put him But that. Player that SP, did OG I played Bucks. in high school. You exactly. talk about who you played high school. Okay. I played high school ball with that. Okay. If ST doesn't intervene, Vargas loses another championship. But what another I'm asking one. you is that the the results shouldn't be what what dictates if the player is a good player or or not, or if we should replace him or not, or if we should keep. Well, him I never good. said we should, should look at the player as a good player. Time out, Corey. When you ask, you asked me a question, Corey. I gave okay. you an answer. I said OG I Buck is consistent to where OG Buck is. Could he improve on some things? Yes. I never once said replace him. What I said was OG Buck is not going to be the reason that Rare B takes it to the next level. And when you said what I should do if I was Marcus Cole, I gave you an answer. Did it have anything to do with OG Buck? No, sir. I said I find Darshawn Grove and I find EJ and I say, fellas, I need corners. That was my answer. Yeah, and because I'm not disagreeing with that. If there's a weakness somewhere else on Rare Breed, it's that. You have to heighten up their defensive ability even more stout. Because if Buck is losing us the game, at least my defense can keep giving him ample opportunity to figure it out because a mind like Buck is going to, at some point, get it together. But sometimes when you're playing against Quattro Huffin every year in the Final Four, you better come in with it figured out, or by the time you figure it out, the game's gone already. Now that's an interesting. Okay. That's an interesting way to phrase it because I think, you know, I I don't disagree with anything you're saying, Ryan, and and, and the reason I'm putting you in those corners is because what what I'm trying to get out of here is my point, which I'll just make the point. I think that OG Buck is a very good quarterback. I also think that he did not play well in the second half against the Nightcrawlers and and the game against the U. But I think the reason that is isn't because of, you know, this or that with Buck. I think it's just sometimes when you when you get to that level of the playoffs, if you have a bad game, it's because the team you're facing earns what they did. And the Nightcrawlers, they had a pretty decent defense. The U, I would say they have a pretty decent defense. I've seen it uh, firsthand. I've had less success than even Buck or Lenny did. But you mentioned if you have to play Quattro Huffman, right? And let's be honest, a lot of the a lot of the success we see from teams in the A7FL is because the championship team a lot of times has one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the league on their roster. 
what does the U look like in 2023? What surprises might we see? And with one of the best players in your team's history, Joel Rivera, leaving, unfortunately, you know, Jumpman Joel Rivera is is one of my favorite players. Is there anyone else that you guys are going to have to replace? Is there anything else that we should know about the U moving forward? Corey, who told you Joel was leaving? I saw it a post on Facebook. Joel said he was retired. You think social media is real life? When it comes from his own account. I mean, Bobby Newman retires every year, but that's the Brett Favre joke. I'm just I'm just asking the question. Joel Rivera will be in a U uniform for the spring of 2023, Corey. So thank you for the correction. That's why I asked the question. Any other news? We're going to win the championship. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's news because in your in the rosters that you guys give us, that's literally what every one of on the U says is we're here to win a championship. So thank you for the repetition, but you know who wrote that? Let me guess. The the humble jumps on his own sword, you know, leader of the the Patterson U. I wrote it. Great football mind, Ryan Shamar. <laughs> I, I wrote it. That's me. And, and and it's a good message. And and a lot of what what's what's so funny, Ryan, because we talk all the time, me and you, you know, during the season. You've never called me in the offseason. Let's just be clear. I've never gotten that you call ever. Or obviously I would have that jersey. One jersey I'm pretty sure, Ryan, and we can both agree I'll never have unless you donate it. <laughs> we have we have some pieces that we're in talks of acquiring. I don't mm. like on things that unless they are a hundred percent official. But uh, that's will, cool. What I will tell you is we will get back to playing you football the way Corey knows and loves it. I don't love it by the way. As a fan watching it it's nice, I guess. But well Corey, are you a commentator or are you a player? I'm speaking right now Corey. I'm on the podcast. So Corey the You podcast. already snow, Ryan. You already snow what, what do you was bad with. what do you think, Ryan, of the Schnow tribe coming in in their second season and trying to pick up? And you know, we we know that Eddie Pettyote and Corey Hammond are going there, but some wild rumors flying around. People at their practices, people having conversations, a lot of back chatter going on, a lot of tea spilling behind the scenes. Do you think the Schnow tribe will be able to make sufficient upgrades? to become a contender next year, to not be the victim of what has been known as the biggest deficit in A7FL history? The goal for Snow Tribe should not be to win a championship next season. The goal for Snow Tribe is to put blood in people's mouths. And what I mean by that is winning a championship does not happen overnight. So if you find yourself in tough games with teams who people had you on the spread plus 28 and a half, that's the game that you live for because it builds morale and it makes your team feel like, hey, guys, we're taking strides significantly forward. And I think if Snow Tribe becomes one of those teams that people can't look at the schedule and say, oh, hey, this is a win, or, hey, all of you guys don't need to show up this week, or – something along those lines, and that's no disrespect 
I'm just saying, if they find themselves being a tough out, it's a great step in the right direction. And then from there, they can find their way to being a championship contender. But if their goal is to be a championship team next year, I don't think they're going to reach that goal. I think that their goal should be to be competitive and strike somewhat of fear like, hey, we can't play around with these guys. That should be their goal. That being said, Ryan, what are the three biggest deficits that Patterson you need to fix in the offseason to return to the A7FL championship game for the fourth time in as many seasons and win their third title in four years? Personnel-wise, we need to protect Quattro Hushman. Everything else falls into place. We protect the MVP, and we get back to playing youth football. That's all I need to do. I was I was I was brainstorming today. My my quarterbacks for the all A seven team would be Huff, first team, Woog, second team, Ace Boogie, third team. Wow, Let's not RF one. See, RF one uh, was a lot of hype and and not a lot of production. He, mm. he at six four two two twenty five, um, a, a good throwing motion mobility. That motherfucker should have won at least one championship. The Savage so, were never a team that wasn't uh, good. There's yeah. Hey Rob, it was nah, just open, nah, nah, nah. Sometimes, sometimes it's not on the quarterback, bro. That team. I'm gonna tell really you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I'm not mad at his. I'm not mad at it. I'm not saying it's mine. I'm not mad at it because those three quarterbacks to me are the perfect combination of arm talent with mobility. They all can solidly throw where you can't say, let this person throw and we're just going to try to contain them in the pocket. And they're all mobile enough, even though Woog was always like, 260 Wolf, plus Wolf is, Wolf he is would McNabb. move he would move Wolf yeah is like he, he would get out of spaces he would finish run strong on the goal line like he was a he wasn't easy to bring down like perfect mobility plus throwing he has to me the top three players now you could put rf1 and nemeth and like a well, couple I would put other Tebow. Guys in I would box. put Tebow in and my Tebow team also in a box ahead of RF one. I think RF one and Nemeth are real similar. I liked Nemeth's game. I, I to, to me, like coming from my personal opinion, RF one had a lot of uh, like he had a lot of excuses in his game. And now I, I you know, I'm not going to try to trash the guy, but you know, when a big game would come around for the Savage, sometimes it, all of a sudden RF one would have some kind of like you know, suspicious this reason is, why he wasn't this around. Is a hot, this is a hot take that I honestly feel. I think that OG Buck is this generation's A7 RF1. Holy wow. shit. What? <laughs> the guy that just can't get over, get to the big days. That's it. No, how about this? No, even more, even more of a perfect parallel. When the moment was biggest in the rare breed game, and this is what bothers me about that. They, they, they subbed him out. A quarterback, a, a quarterback called the number for a, the backup quarterback it, when it but mattered. You know what? Schematically, bro, it was the right thing to do. Because on the it touchdown, worked. it was because right. it worked. On the touchdown, it, worked, it was. But I would tell you this: on the extra called, point, that's letting that's letting your other guys step. I told, into the moment. I told you this. I told you this on Twitter. 
and it's the perfect thing in the world. If you watch the film, he calls it, he set it up, he made the sub that made it happen because if you look, one of the players was waiting to go, like Pac-Man was literally, wasn't in the huddle and Marlon counted and was going to go in the game. And Pac-Man is standing at the bottom of the screen with Marcus Cole the entire time. They mm-hmm. purposely had six in the huddle the whole time. And yeah. Buck's like peeking over. He's peeking, you know. And when they break the huddle and they run out, they broke the huddle very quick. It, like, made the night crawlers like, look around. And they're looking at Buck. And they're thinking it's double pass. Two quarterback, double pass. The yep. whole time. Right. And the so whole how are we time. Not I can't, I can't knock them. What I will knock is this. Right. When they yeah, played right. when they played us the next week, they were dead in the water. And they did the same change. And Lenny actually brought them within one possession, even though the yeah, game was garbage time. It was garbage time. Your your defensive backs. Were I not can't. Covered. I can't say. Yeah, this is I why I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you this, and this is why I don't feel that way, right, Corey? Okay. It wasn't garbage time because when he scored it, and he got the last touchdown, and they cut it to within one possession, the morale on our sideline was we better not get his game up. And to be honest, our defense was arguing. Those were real breakdowns. It wasn't, oh, we just because you know where are you? We want to run it up. We lost to them. Well, well we wanted to make when it he feel throws like- when he throws that when he throws that touchdown in the back of the end zone. That's a that's a slot that just ran a deep cross. Like, are you guys in zone coverage? It was a miscommunication on the breakdown. I'm gonna tell you the first one to Marlin, right? Is is that the one that you're talking about? He came from the right slot to the like, right, right the slot back, of over route to the back Chick corner of the end zone. Yeah, Chick was at safety, and he literally came down in the box. He blew the coverage completely with Kells. It was blown completely, and that wasn't well, even the first well, touchdown. What, what is the responsibility? Who, who is it? Still man coverage. It was zone. Hurt. We were we were in zone coverage. Yeah. Chick was at safety. He ran an over route. Kells was passing the route over to Chick, who went to sleep looking yeah, in the yeah. backfield and never saw the over route behind his head. Well, as soon I'll as he what, scores I've it, never, Chick, I've never Chick, seen the U run zone defense against me. That'd be nice, but well, <laughs> you got to know who you're running it against. If you ask Kenny Stansberry, he'll tell you different. We've ran zone defense for years. No, no, no. But your game plan against Corey Hammond is heat him up tight coverage he can only throw because we rats. know Corey wants to get the ball out hot so we can't well i know i'm not saying it's a bad move because you i wish you'll i fucking shoot. saw zone coverage and you know no, because we know that you're an accurate quarterback <laughs> and you get the ball out quick on timing routes so the yeah. zone you can nickel and dama zone down the field that's that's what you yeah. do in your sleep all right, well, we'll leave it there. Ryan Shamar, the team manager, the Svengali of the Patterson U. You can check out some of the great Patterson U games anytime on our YouTube channel, and we'll obviously have a few on A7FL Rewind. Uh, Ryan, anything else before we uh, kick off here and end this episode of the three-on-one? Um, I appreciate y'all fellas for having me. I'm curious to hear your predictions for this upcoming season. Um, I missed a couple of the shows, so um, I am a new fan. 
and I will continue to support moving forward. I definitely need a Hus Hus t-shirt. Um, and also, um, what is it, Matt? A fat boy touchdown? Thick, uh, I was told I couldn't boy. call it fat, fat guy touchdowns touch. anymore. It's th- <laughs> thick boy touchdown or thick boy season. You can buy I those. Like, I like I like fat boy touchdown better than thick boy, but that's a story for another day. Um, I definitely will be supporting moving forward, fellas. I definitely appreciate y'all for having me, but I definitely would like to know um, predictions for the following season and how y'all feel about the league moving forward. Oh, you want you want it right now? Because I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Listen, I'm just going to be honest. I, I've been honest about it on multiple shows before today. I'm just going to continue the same energy. I think it's BIC's era right now. BIC has another two seasons before teams figure out or try to figure out or start building around ways to beat them. So next season, I do see BIC winning the chip. I can't even say because I don't know what's going on with the U. I don't know what's going on with teams in in Florida. I don't know what's going on in Vegas. So as of right now, BIC looks like the champions for the next two years. But on that third year, there will be contention. I don't know who's going to be there against them, but they will, it will not be an easy third championship if they even imagine, ma- manage to get it off. But next year, I got BIC winning it all. Look, I'm a, I'm a control-what-you-can-control guy. So as a, an active me- uh, player in the league, I'm not looking at other teams right now as far as like week-to-week what's going to be the result. But my prediction for the 2023 season and a goal is that when that final whistle blows in the championship, Corey Hammond will will be a name that people say as one of the best quarterbacks in the history of this league. So that's my goal. That's all that I can control. However that goes down, I'm going to uh, try to prove that. Um, you know, as far as, you know, what teams are good and everything, we can talk about that in a later podcast. But a prediction, something that I can put, you know, my heart into and tell you with with full confidence that's not that's a goal of mine that's a that's a promise to Ryan Shamar and you know if I'm the most overrated player in the league this year next year <laughs> you know we'll have a different conversation not the most overrated but are we going to address the elephant the big huge dark green and orange elephant in the room Matt and Rob or do we just want to maybe use that as a tease for next next week well, you, you you might as well go for it. Yeah, you guys aren't doing it, are you? All right, nobody likes me anyway, Ryan. Here's the deal. We have decent sources. Now, we're not going to re- reveal the sources, and we're not going to go into too much detail. We have decent sources and a lot of whispers about the man that you're saying when you mentioned the predictions for next year and what, what your priorities are going in the offseason and the MVP of your team, Quattro Huffman. There's a lot of question marks behind the scenes and whether they're rumors, whether it's just the normal disgruntled garbage that you get at the end of a, you know, a loss, whether it's the last game of the season or, or week four. A7 NFL rumor mill has at the top on like those those little hidden subreddits. Quattro Huffin is a name that might not be suiting up for the U for whatever reason. What do you say to those rumors? How do you respond to the fact that it's even brought up. And if Quattro Huffin isn't a member of the Patterson U, 
Is that something that you guys can recover from for 2023? You can't ever replace a player like Huff to play at the level that Huff played. But rumors are rumors, just like you were under the impression that Joel was retiring. Well, that was that was a, a Facebook fact for at least the moment it was put up. So <laughs> my, I check my sources and I'm not going to I'm not going to say that the sources that I have are 100 percent confirmed on, on Huff. But I will say my eyes saw, uh, uh, hey, guys, I'm retiring post and I might be insane because as we've discovered in this journey that this is that is this podcast, <laughs> my brain is a wonderful, horrible place. But, Ryan, with the most confidence that you can in the first week of October, Quattro Huffin is a member of the Patterson U and suiting up as a quarterback? Yeah. Hey, rumor, guys. Everyone with those rumors. Stop dangling a carrot in front of me like there's going to be a Huffless U in front of the Snow Tribe. You already snow, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And I hope we play you because – we were talking with Isaac last week on, you know, who we'd like to play. And I, I'll never say that I, I'd like to play the U. But in, in this Corey Hammond thing that I was mentioning in the tour where I'm going to Vegas trying to get out to Cincinnati and all this stuff, it just wouldn't feel right if I didn't give you guys another 300. Over the top. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Corey, I want to make you a deal. You ready? Maybe. I don't know. I've never beat you guys, but go ahead. If you beat us or you throw for 300, I'll give you a U shirt. If you lose, I want your Snow Tribe hoodie. Okay. Playing for skins. Corey's going to have right. to go home shirtless. So, all right. Here's the thing. Stats, which will be a shock to the entire league, mean nothing. <laughs> so... If the Snow Tribe beats the U, you, you have to tweet with the Snow Tribe hoodie. Say you're already snow. And any TikTok dance that's current at the time. <laughs> if I lose, which is kind of like the, the favorite in this bet, if we're being honest. If the Snow Tribe and Corey Hammond loses... I, what what will I do? You set the terms. <laughs> you got to take a picture with the team <laughs> with that bottle of Remy that you had that day. No, don't make it classy. It was E and J. Okay, you got to take a picture with the team with that E and J bottle. I will Can he be wearing picture. the 50 boys chain? And he, uh, no, and we'll no, give him no, the I'm fish. not wearing a <laughs> But I will wear, I will let chill out Duke or whoever he nominates pour <laughs> E and J over the top of my head in the picture. That's what it will that's Oh, what that's gonna sting. Yo, Paul is insane. Tori's a wild boy. I'm gonna get pulled over. They're gonna, they're gonna Paul, immediately on top of this, just try playing a dangerous hey, Corey, game with having to take a shower in the Asbury Park no High problem School. With your wife, Corey. I hope you let her know that you made this bet. She's sitting right across from him. Yeah, I won. No problems with your wife, bro. <laughs> just, just ask the last, uh, the last ref 
uh, Calvin, he's not a ref anymore because uh, too many times my wife was telling him to call a holding call. Now they weren't holding, but anyway. I <laughs> On that note, me. Bet on. Bet on, Ryan. The bet is on, <laughs> but you already know what's happening. It has nothing to do with me. The changes are being made because of my guy, Big Mike, Deion Dawkins, and Rob's guy, Ant Live. You already know. And on that note, everybody, this has been the three-on-one podcast. Be sure to buy a shirt at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. If you haven't already, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Reviews are really important if you listen to us on Apple. They help us move up the charts and get more people on the product. So please, please do do that. And also, reminder, don't be an asshole. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs>